Welcome to Sonata Secrets. I'm Henry Tilhan, and in this episode, I will talk about the first movement of Scriabin's second piano sonata, the Sonata Fantasy. So, Alexander Scriabin wrote 10 piano sonatas, and this is probably the most performed, together with the fourth. And the reason for the fantasy part of the title is that it's slightly freer than a proper sonata, even if it has a sonata form as a foundation. Especially the second subject group feels very free and improvisational, and Scriabin himself actually provided a short programmatic conception of the piece. The first part evokes the calm of a night by the seashore in the south. In the development we hear the somber agitation of the depth. The section in E major represents the tender moonlight which comes after the first dark of the night. And when you think about the whole sonata with the two movements, it actually has some similarities with Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. They both have a slow first movement with this somber atmosphere and also a fast last movement with a lot of notes that just keeps on coming. And a special thank you and shout out to my Patreon sponsor John Neerman for this episode. So there are basically two sides to this music. One is a firm and a hard statement, kind of a gripping character that's present for the first part and also in the middle a lot. And then the other side is the complete opposite of that, uh, a soft and very free, kind of floating, improvisational melody. And these two sides say completely opposite things, but they're both uh, so cool in the way they say them. So if we look at the large-scale structure already, we can see that these two sides are both present in the piece at different times. Okay, so in the beginning we start with this firm motif. So it's actually two things. The left hand has this rising fifth. It's a, this is a typical Scriabin thing. He has it in a lot of his music. Ba-bam, ba-bam in the bass. Um, and then the right hand plays kind of the opposite, the falling fifth. So this like inverted fanfare thing with the triplets. Uh, it's ritardando on the triplets. And the harmony here, this is a minor 6 chord, it's a great chord, it's, it's like a mystical and a bit melancholic but also promising at the same time. And it's halted and then we try again. So the same motif but a different harmony, this is like a D sharp dominant chord feeling. So harmonically, we're in G-sharp minor, but it doesn't really feel like that with the first chord. Because it's a minor 6 chord, so already we're in Scriabin space of this kind of unclear tonality. But here we get a dominant feeling, at least. So it's halted again, and now for the th third statement, we get some of this marching that's gonna come later in the piece. Uh, we see a hint of it here. The signal again and it's another minor 6 chord. And then a fourth time with the marching. 
growing. And we finally managed to get out of these pauses and get some momentum. And here the left hand has something to say. These uh, intervals uh, going up and down, and also we got this amazing Italian six chord. So, so it really grows here. And I play slightly more than the mezzo forte because I think this whole line warrants it. And it's like Scriabin can't hold it in. Already this early in the piece, the passion needs to get out uh, because it's gross, I mean, big register. But then we're back to the opening statements again. But now it's transposed to D sharp minor six. So kind of a modulating harmony here. This is a dominant feeling. And now this is like the whole first subject group in the structure uh, that's that short. Because now we get a completely new character. Uh, and it's this other side that I was talking about, uh, this soft, free-floating, uh, improvisational character. But this is the signal, though. Now it's an octave, but it's still the triplet. Uh, so it's the material from the first subject, but in this new character that is something different. And just what makes it different? Well, it's pianissimo, so soft, and then the left hand plays arpeggios. But they're tied over uh, the, the bar lines, so it's not on the beat, so it's... So he kind of suspends the beats. And also with the right hand, it's not clear rhythmically because uh, it's a like a big triplet. Uh, and on syncopation, so it's like, uh, where are we rhythmically? Not very clear. Minor. But it's turning to major with this dominant 7th chord. Ah, lovely E major when it comes, but then turning back to minor, or like a E minor over a C sharp, so it's kind of a half diminished uh, scrabbing mystical chord. Let me just play it again from here. here we get this uh, kind of a stable chord. This is a B major with an F sharp in the bass, so it's like a dominant 6-4 chord. We're kind of expecting B major. Uh, that's the uh, tonic B major here. And this chord. 
typical scrabbing also, it's a F sharp, kind of a F sharp uh, dominant. Seven and a six. Seven and uh, six, and then going through the minus five. And the minus five is not part of the tonality, the scale notes. Uh, and I talk a lot about this in another scrubbing piece, his Nocturne in F-sharp minor, opus five number one. You can check it out in that episode. So after this. Again. And here, almost get to B major. This is a B major sus4, so we expect that would be a resolution to resolve the sus4 to a B major. But Scrabbin resolves it another way, so we don't get it. So he he this is so amazing. He treats he treats it as uh, E sus2 instead. So it could also be this same chord could be so now when you've heard the E major you hear it as the sus2 so this is the sus2 or the ninth to E but uh, when we come to it we're kind of expecting the B major oh, it's so amazing this music and I'm not going to talk so much in detail now for this section, I'm just going to play it. Um, but listen for how this uh, character, just the melody line just develops and unfolds as you would kind of improvise it. And it's really breathing, like in and out and up and down. And then the left hand just plays these supporting notes, uh, one or two notes or sometimes a chord. And it's also very precisely notated rhythmically. Uh, like triplets and uh, eighth notes and uh, later on you get so some quintuplets and uh, it's kind of a good exercise because you need to play them different with the hands three against two and other rhythms and uh, also just wait until the end of this piece with the uh, rhythms at the same time but at the same time he's writes rubato in the music so rubato is like stretching time so we have a lot of freedom as performers when we do this uh, it's supposed to be this improvisational because he writes rubato at like two times in the music in this section. This is like one of the most beautiful ways of piano writing that Scriabin manages here. These, it's perfectly balanced with the melody in this register and just the supporting notes. get a little bit of a pause and then we get a slightly more firm statement espressivo and it's like a dialogue with an octave up here and one octave down uh, imitating the same melody again 
and here it, uh, it starts to grow now the intensity and what follows here is one of the other most beautiful ways of writing for the piano because here it gets really messy with uh, the in the score so it's another way now it's not so uh, sparse as before now it's a lot of notes like chord notes that are sprinkled as glitter it's really sparkling this place what comes here so we have the melody like in the middle and the left hand plays bass and some arpeggio and a condiment so the melody is this in the middle of all the notes uh, so with everything else uh, you can hear the melody or I need to play the melody really strong and then all the other glitter around it Melody comes one octave lower, so played with the left hand mostly. And now we're kind of uh, falling back to a nice tonality B major. And the melody just repeats like the last bit of it uh, several times. So, and then. Uh, closing on that lovely B major, so. super low B, uh, really nice. Now this isn't a typical sonata form because the first subject group is quite short and then the second subject group is uh, spread out over this long improvisational section. But what starts here feels like a typical development actually. So now we get this signal from the beginning, uh, makes a reappearance here. It's in major, nice, because we finished in B major. And then it's kind of decorated with the second character, this improvisational <laughs> with the left hand. Then going for the median D major. It's always a nice chord. start some growing uh, building up and we get the signal in the left hand in the deep registers uh, and we get like a marching starting to to come here and also the melody plays some statements that are kind of imitating so it's the same melody but it's uh, spread out on a big register so it's hard to to hear it as a melody but it's there it's kind of a signal
here we get a really clear juxtaposition of the two characters. So it grows into this really uh, loud, fortissimo, angry statement. And then this uh, soft character comes uh, like a music box. And It's so lovely to play these really big contrast of these sections. But the strong character kind of wins. And here we get the proper marching. It's building from loud to even louder. Until we get to an oscillation between a dominant and a lovely French six chord and German six chord. get the signal in its loudest incense in the piece the two times and here again it deviates from normal sonata form because if it was a sonata a proper sonata we would expect a recapitulation here after the development uh, and then the recapitulation is the first subject group for like a full repetition of it but we only get these two signals like the climax of the development but actually the signals has been there for this marching uh, underneath uh, and then after this we go straight to the other side uh, the like the B section with a improvisational character uh, so it's like the development and the recapitulation is merging together in a bit but it doesn't really matter we just enjoy moving on to this lovely but it comes as a really a surprise here after the big outburst. And like a long pause and then pianissimo. So this section comes like exactly the same, a repetition of it, but it's now in E major instead. And there's just some cosmetic changes in the uh, like accompaniment. It's slightly more busy, uh, more energy underneath to give it something of a new, fresh character. So like when we get here. The left hand has some sprinkles here. And here it's more busy in a way underneath here. 
remember in the first part it was mostly supporting notes, now it's more moving. This is so lovely, this kind of a quirky thing here. And now start the building. Some extra hand crossing to make it uh, sensual in a way. It really feels that way when you play it. for the glitter. get to the end we get these falling scales now they have grown so we have nine notes in the right hand over five notes in the left hand this is some really hard polyrhythmic exercises going on here uh, so and 12 over 5 Paradoxically, we're calming down, cooling down, and uh, it's, we're savoring this E major, and it feels really nice and secure, as long as you can get to play all these notes super soft and just let them, you know, uh, fly in the wind above the melody. Um. And then guess what comes back right at the end of the piece? It's the signal again, of course. But in major, in a major six. This is such a great movement. And I think you can really see how the moonlight touches the surface of the sea in like small waves that Scrabin was telling about uh, as a conception of the piece. And it also, I think it works on its own. You don't have to play the second movement. Um, I mean, it works as a sonata, of course, the two movements. But I've played it in performances, uh, just one movement, uh, many times. Now, please join me for the ride. That is the first movement of Scriabin's second sonata, Opus 19 in G-sharp minor.
Thank you for listening to Sonata Secrets. Check out my premium subscription model at Patreon at patreon.com/sonatasecret.